This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, I'm Hanif Baharuddin. You're tuned into the show that explores the narratives of historical landmarks and places in the Klang Valley. In this episode, we're going to be talking about murals. The artist responsible for the iconic mural adorning Museum Negara, Chong Lai Tong, left us last week. It's a great loss for our art scene considering his many contributions to the industry. But his work on Museum Negara specifically has gotten us curious about the kind of relationship that we have with murals in general. Surprisingly, a lot of buildings here do have murals and these days murals in the form of graffitis have become a norm and a common way to beautify an empty wall or space. So joining me to reflect on this is our resident heritage conservation expert Elizabeth Cardosa. Yeah, I, I suppose we don't really think about murals in the same way. I think most people nowadays, when you say mural art, I think we'll think about, oh, uh, Penang, Georgetown, or oh, you know, this alleyway has this uh, uh, image or this, this series of images on it which tell a particular story. And very often it sort of harkens to some kind of nostalgia or, you know, memory of the past or um, this is, you know, pl- imagine a palm trees and a beach scene in the middle of a city. And if you think about it, uh, the mural, which was at one time considered to, I think it made the Guinness Book of Records in Pudu Jail as the longest mural. Um, I don't know whether in Malaysia or in the world, but I know it made, it was a record uh, in the Guinness Book of Records. I really, I'm sorry, I can't remember which, uh, you know, record it broke. But... <clears throat> was uh, painted on the wall around Pudu Jail on two of the elevations, uh, which was this idyllic beach pastoral scene, right? Uh, palm trees and um, a really, a really sort of very pleasant uh, visual scape, which belied what was behind it, nah, which was a jail. So imagine when we think jail, we think, oh, uh, people, criminals, people that you need to keep separated from society because for whatever reason they are uh, somehow of danger to society, right? And therefore, they have to be kept apart, incarcerated. And then you have this scene which is completely of um, an imagined, uh, you know, beach, you know, dreamscape, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I go and walk by the water and then I have waving palm trees and then I have lots of luscious green around me and what's behind it is a completely different reality. So there are, when we think mural nowadays though, we think of these one gable wall, uh, it could be in a new part of town, it could be an old part of town, but it will be um, a, a big space which used to be em- empty or maybe painted by a particular colour, one colour which was of a building, you know, within the building. And now it has um, this painting of, a, you know, kampong scene or painting of uh, somebody, a, a, a child on a bicycle. And it could be human scale. It could be much larger than human scale or it could be miniature. But whatever it is, it is there for you in a sense as a visual um stimulus you know as if the city has or these walls uh are used as canvases right and um 
I think the the museum mural which we talk about and and Laitong certainly uh, and I think is a great loss um was that particular piece of work or two there are two murals um one representing a storyline in terms of the history of the country and the other representing a storyline related to the different cultural and uh traditions peoples and traditions of the country so it 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 is and you know it is a a way of of expressing this is what we want to say about ourselves you know we the nation because remember it was a national museum and that is kind of like what was commissioned yeah and those are made in mosaics and so we kind of think mosaic is that a material that you use not paint right but if you think about it, at that time, I think the museum was 1963, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, 62, 63, thereabouts. Um, prior to that, there was the Dewan Bahasa dan Pustaka, uh, the, the, which is on Jalan uh, Tun, no, Jalan Maharaja Leila, and Dewan Bahasa Road, the Dewan Bahasa Road, they had Dewan Bahasa, right? And... Um, at that intersection and the face of the building uh, behind which was actually the the hall okay the um has got a mural on it which expresses what dewan bahasa is about it is about a language it is about literature it is about the way in which language expresses us and learning and knowledge and so you have the 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 uh, dewan bahasa logo you know the book you know, and then you have just this expression, which is done in mosaics, and that was the nineteen late fifties, if I'm not mistaken, building fifty eight, fifty nine, thereabouts. And then you think back a little bit, or you think around it a little bit, and you uh, imagine in the early nineteen sixties, a stadium, Nagara, had murals. Um, as you entered at the grandstand and outside on the grandstand, and I think most people won't really know it unless you know the building well. And I think if you're going there for an event, you don't really pay attention to it. Like it's only people like me who pay attention to it. <laughs> there are these two um, almost like wayang kulit silhouette type things, which were made with mural and metal cut out. Uh, on the one side was... Uh, the expression of sport. So you had shuttlecock, you had, you know, so people playing sports, badminton and whatnot. And on the other side, you had this expression of culture, which was music, you know, and and uh, because inside there, there was a stage, for example. So the Stadium Nagara was not only there as a sporting facility, it was also there in terms of having some kind of a cultural input into the city. So. You had this these things on the outside, and those were mosaics with metal uh, cut out. Then you enter into the grandstand, and on the right and the left, along the walls, there were these murals, um, as well as the other entrances. There, there were three entrances altogether in, in the uh, four, actually, which is the backstage entrance, and then there were three. There was grandstand entrance, and then there was an entrance on the right and on the left um, toward the sides of the building. It's a round building, but nevertheless, if you think about it, you know, in terms of a quadrant. Um, so each quadrant had an entrance, okay? 
And there were murals there. And these murals were painted batiks. So they were painted like batik. They were not on textile, but the style of it was like batik art. Okay. So you, you, so it wasn't an imprint on batik, but it was just that. And there were people commissioned, they were artists commissioned uh, to, to do these and to provide some kind of a visual. So instead of just having a wall, you know, which you can paint in one color or many colors, you, in, you, uh, you include, I think, um, something more creative, something more visually stimulating. And I think that that's great, you know. So you have these early Malayan or Malaysian buildings, which had these uh, murals, and they were either, like I said, made from mosaic, or they were made, or they were painted um, as as on the wall, right? Um, so, you know, so I, I that was kind of like, uh, in a sense, early on lah. But earlier than that, in the pre independence period. Now those, like I say, were expressions of independence. They were expressions of aspiration of the country. And this is what we are. And this is where we want to say. And we want to show that we are not just uh, technologically competent. We're not just, uh, you know, uh, um, intelligent, you know, economically able, but we are also creative people. And these are creative expressions. But prior to that, I kind of remember um, if you look again at old buildings, buildings that were built in the in the pre-independence era, murals or mural art or parts of you know imagery like that were included onto uh, buildings. So the OCBC building in um, Medan Pasar, near Medan Pasar, opposite Medan Pasar has on its facade um, really an image of a ship, which was the logo of the bank uh, which it, it represented, or which, you know, which commissioned the building to be made. And it's there, it's still there. You can still see it there. Most people don't notice it, but it was included into the treatment of the facade. So you don't only have the name of the building, and even if you don't have the name of the building, you have the logo which shows you what it was. Um, and the Odeon Cinema, uh, again, 1930s building, these are 1930s buildings, um, had on its facade, a um, within the, the, the Odeon, it says, and you know it's a cinema, but you also had incorporated into it a mural in mosaic of... Um, I don't know. I can't if I remember correctly because it's gone now. Um, saxophone, uh, you know, images that related to entertainment. So you're looking at it. And you're saying, "What's the message?" Okay, this is a building that provides entertainment. This kind of entertainment. Uh, the bag uh, that had the OCBC, uh, the the ship logo. Uh, oh, I recognize this logo. Oh, it's ship. Oh, okay, right. It's this bank. You know, so it tells this kind of a story which relates directly to what that building was. So, like uh, Stadium uh, Merdeka, uh, Stadium Nagara, that those images that I was talking about, you know, relate to culture, relate to sports, because that's what the building was used for. Um, 
And similarly, back to Laitong and, and the museum, you know, this expresses the country, the, the history of the country, the culture of the country, and what is inside the building. So you kind of have that, um, which I think most people kind of don't really think about. And I, and I think it's wonderful to be able to have that kind of art in the public space, you know, where you don't, you have good art, you have art, which is, you know, tells a story, but it's not just about um, nostalgia. Because these were not nostalgic. I mean, nostalgia has a place, but these were not done as nostalgic. They were done very purposefully. They were designed to tell or to make a, to tell a story. And the story of the place, the story of the building, the story of whatever you want to say about, right? Um, nowadays, you see a lot of, lot, lot, lot of <laughs> painted alleyways, uh, facades of buildings, right? You, you see a lot of that. Um, and they tell stories as well. But, you know, I might see a picture of a cat on the building and I wonder, what's that cat doing there? And it's a very beautiful painting and it might be very well done. Uh, but, you know, it's like, what does that cat tell me about the place? Probably nothing very much, you know. Uh, it tells me that it was a great artist or whoever's done it, you know, but it isn't necessarily directly related to the building. So again, the nature of um, the mural art has kind of changed already. Or you might have, uh, um, as you have near Masjid Jamik in KL, right? There, there are these, the, the back walls of several buildings uh, painted with a huge uh, mural of uh, fishing in the river and boats and 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 you know just a very rural a very rural uh images that are being shown in the center of the city so then the question is how does that represent what was there before or does it represent what was there before or is this something that you would have liked to have seen before you know so you kind of get into that 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 uh side i suppose of then you can start questioning lah That was heritage conservation expert Elizabeth Cardosa sharing her reflections on murals adorning a lot of walls and buildings in KL. We're going for a short break. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Paharudin and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Hanif Baharudin. Heritage conservation expert Elizabeth Cardosa joins me on the show again via Zoom and we're currently reflecting on murals and how prevalent they are on a lot of buildings here in KL. We're going to continue the conversation by looking at whether these murals, especially in formal institutions, were done because the designers wanted them or whether they were commissioned by the institutions themselves to add character to their buildings. Very often, it was there were, especially if you're talking about institutional buildings, right? Um, the commissioning um, organization, the commissioning agency, will have something to say. And quite often, you know, an artist or the director of the museum or the prime minister at that time, you know, whoever it might be, will say, "We want to be able to express ourselves in this way as well, so that." We don't only have a building 
that it's just a building by itself, but a building actually that actually then also edifies, that expresses, that teaches, that educates, um, that says something. And I think that that level of uh, that trans that translation, yeah, into the creative sphere um, by the use of with the use of murals, I think is is great. You know, because if not, it just is a nowadays you have a glass wall. Right, which reflects what is outside, reflects the sky, reflects the the whatever is surrounding it. Um, that's that's because glass is a much more modern structure, and reflective glass is a much more modern structure, right? A material fabric. Uh, traditionally, maybe they didn't have that, and therefore you you wanted to say something. So I think it could be a combination. Um, we talked some time ago about the the royal mosque in Klang. And um, the, in the original design, uh, it was very grand. And within the original design, that over the years had got covered up, but we have now since um, recovered, shall we say. Um, that means uh, removed uh, the covers, <laughs> removed what was hiding it, and brought back, uh, re re reinstated um, the best relief. And it was cut painted bas relief so it is still a mural but it is uh with in relief that means you can it is um it has a flat back but it's three it's not three dimensional well you know there is form there there is there is form in in the and that had a lot of geometric shapes and patterns but you could see uh um stylized clouds or stylized trees or a sense of oh, this is possibly a river going through the landscape of Klang, um, and that was just really a way of sort of expressing not just what the building was, but expressing the context within which it stood. You know, this is where it is. It places it very, very clearly within. Um, so you look at it, and if I see. Images of, of, for example, now I know the mosque quite well. Um, if I see that, you know, it, it, it is like it's colorful. It is, it uplifts. You know, it's not somber. It's not so. So the use of color, the use of pattern, the use of picture, um, is a great visual relief. As a matter of fact, I mean personally, I, I, I believe that. And so I've always enjoyed having this kind of visual, um, images in the public space you have your painting in your house but you know when it's outside and some of some murals are pretty bad okay let me just say all right some murals are really pretty bad but there are you know it, there are the very good murals you know and then so then you can we're not going to debate what is good and what is bad really but you know you and there different people enjoy it and different people kind of like get puzzled by it um, and you know you have different responses to it, but like I said, it is it is a way of kind of like I think telling stories um, about it. May you may be the owner, you may be the tenant, you may be the person who commissioned the building to be done. Um, that I said really because it is a cultural expression. We're not just talking about ourselves as uh, 
you know, we are not looking just at the stem part of our brain, you know, the left brain, right brain kind of thing. You know, we are not just airy-fairy and dreaming all the time and neither are we constantly like robots, right? So it is really the combination of here we are, we can express, you know, the fact that we are, from an engineering perspective, we, we are able to build these structures, um, you know, our minds, our technology is able to do this, but we are also creative beings. And we also want to have that edge. And I think it is really providing for the two sides of the brain like, to respond to it. Mm, okay, all right. And um, I think what, what, what I find quite interesting is that I think based on the examples that you've given, it sounds like um, the kind of murals that we have um, last time compared to what we have right now, and they're a bit different, right, to be fair. And, 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 and there's no such thing as like, you know, one is better than the other. It's just that there is a form of an evolution to, to how, I guess, we appreciate murals these days. You know, from mosaic geometries to now um, neutral paintings in the form of, I guess, proper paintings or even graffitis, right, I think. And I think that's, the I guess, the trend these days to a certain extent. Um, I mean, bringing it back to, you know, our the alleyways and how, you know, they've been, I guess, decorated and designed to occupy those empty spaces, right? And I think, yeah, to a certain extent, we somehow, I guess, it's like I think for me personally, my 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 earliest relationship with murals, um, definitely when um I was in school, right, where you know you have all those paintings. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You always had a wall, right? Correct. Yeah. Outside your hall, on one of the big walls, it will it will almost be like a poster, right? It will say it will have the name of the school, it will have the slogan of the school, it may show kids in the school uniform or it may show a forest scene whatever it is yeah, right correct yeah you're right a lot of schools had them i think definitely most schools yeah i, I mean you can think about schools, yeah. right that you schools you went to and some of these murals were commissioned by um the schools and some of them the art club would have done it you know what i mean um and and so it really is but isn't it, it is actually really quite wonderful that there, that there is an avenue for this, an outlet, you know? It's not just about let's work, let's, you know, um, bring money home. Let's, you know, but we actually kind of need a little bit of, shall we say, um, visual relief, um, which which you get when you're, out and about, rather than boring grey, same colour, whatever you know. Um, so this this is a, this is one other expression, but there were other ways of of looking at this. You know, oh, there, there are many ways of looking at it. Of there are more murals in KL actually, um, if you think about it. Um, when you are going on uh, Jalan uh, from past the, the National Mosque, uh, Masjid Nagara, going toward Dataran Merdeka, you have, a, well, people call it a tunnel, but really there's a, a, a road that goes, a highway that goes above you. So it, it, it's an overpass. So you are in the underpass. And on one wall, uh, there is, with, with tiles, uh, there is this um, pictures, many, many different, of showing... Uh, you know, that, that kind of thing, expressing uh, Kuala Lumpur. 
And then on the other wall is more, on the opposite wall, the, the, the wall facing it is more sort of graphic, uh, a more graphic um, geometric images, you know, which doesn't have, doesn't have a picture, lah, but has a pattern on it. Okay. Then you have um, graffiti, uh, which is different. I mean, graffiti is also painted on wall. And graffiti, I suppose, is also part of uh, mural art. But I think the, the graffiti artists quite often put up, do, their, do the graffiti art on something which is without permission. You know, most murals will have the permission of the owner, will have the permission of, you know, you have, it's a legit, it's a legit, or a regulated, uh, uh, you know, a graphic uh, piece. But graffiti is is a bit, um, how do I say, gorilla, right? A, gra a graphic a gra graffiti artist will do it with or without permission. Often uh, they have something to say, or maybe they just want to express themselves in a particular way. There are certainly very famous graffiti artists. And if you think about Banksy, you know, in, in the UK, that's kind of like uh, one way of looking at graffiti art, making a lot of money. Um, you know, and so really it all depends on what, you know, and so what the what's happened, which I find amusing, is that the city and the agencies of the city, like City Hall and, and, and other government or public agencies, have kind of, in a sense, um, embraced, incorporated, colonized, whichever way you want to put it. Um, this, whether it's graffiti art or whether it is mural art, within a lot of the city, and sometimes you go on one street and this part of the painting on this street doesn't relate to the opposite wall or, uh, you know, 200 meters down the road. And you kind of like, wonder why you know because in a, in a sense you don't want to have everything so regulated that it all fits in together but on the other hand you kind of um, don't necessarily want it to be so fractured either um, and so you go through this uh, tunnel that uh, um, has all the colors of the rainbow on it and then you go just beyond that and you see a painting of a, a big cat on on a wall on the face of a you know on a, on a facade on a gable wall, and then you go a bit beyond that and you see um, you are in Chinatown and so you see something like a um, a child uh, skipping along eating a lollipop or I mean like an ice ball or something like that which is an image of a past an, a romantic idea of a past which we no longer have you know or you get your mega durian or your mega, you know, and, and so it really is quite interesting, I think, to, to see the way in which graffiti art has become, uh, not graffiti art, but murals have been used, I think, um, to color, uh, you know, a city. And certainly in some places, it's used excessively, you know. <laughs> Interesting that you brought that up because I think I, I like the fact that you know at one point we were quite cautious of graffiti, right? And we were clamping down on on them. 
Yeah, and then at one point, it suddenly, like, the word they use, it was colonized by, by you know, authorities and the powers that be and has become, like, a mainstream way of... Um, yes, you know, yeah. Immediately, like, I guess, beautifying, you know, in area or in yeah, any way, right? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that per se, but it's just that I find that quite interesting as well, that it has become the go-to way of beautifying an area these days, right? Um, I like most of the designs that I, I, I've seen um, to a certain extent. I, I think they're... Because it has that... Maybe slightly more youthful to take, more youthful approach to a certain extent. But yeah, but it, but it also makes me wonder about, you know, whether there is still that, I guess, a clash of ideals or a clash of, of preference, you know, when it comes to when it comes to these things, you know, because because I think maybe it has become a, a bit of a low-hanging fruit for people to think about when it comes to, I guess, de- you know, designing or beautifying an area, I suppose. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just that, you know, judging by what you've told me about how the process was more, a bit more laborious when it comes to, I guess, thinking about you know, how to design, you know, uh, a wall, you know, beautify a wall. It, it makes me you know, ponder about, a bit about that, you know, to some extent. <laughs> Maybe it's not so much that it was a laborious process. I mean, if you go back to, you know, where you started the program talking about the Museum Nagara um, murals, um, you know, there was a competition right? It, it stemmed, even day one Bahasa, it stemmed from a competition, you know, we are going to do this mural, it's going to be this size, um, you know, submit your ideas, right? Uh, like you have design competition, like you have poster competition, you know, you have the Merdeka every year, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the National Day celebration logo, right? Um, design the logo, uh, bring it forward, whatever, you know, your Visit Malaysia Year logo, you know, there's a competition and and then there's a group of people who are selected uh, to judge that competition against the criteria. And so not necessarily that it's laborious, um, but it also, I think, demonstrates taste, different kinds of aesthetic. Um, and that's one. It demonstrates... Uh, in, in the case of certainly the mosaics, I mean, like Tong himself didn't make the mosaic, but he designed it so that the mosaic was then created, right? He didn't go and paste one mosaic after another. But but he had to think about it in terms of if you're going to make it with mosaic, how do you create a pattern? And those days, now we got computer, we can go and say, this is how many pixels we want to do, this is the size of our square, and we can actually plot it Imagine, you know, in the 19, early 1960s, you're doing it by hand and you're doing it on that scale. You have to really, it's a, it's a different uh, process. And the kind of labor and thought that needs to be, it is different. It's not laborious as much, but I think it is using your creativity differently. Um, nowadays, you know, we paint, so-called paint, pictures on walls with light, right? We have on DBKL, on the facade of DBKL, we have um, a light wall with little bulbs or whatever, um, LED lights that can change because your computer programs it. And so from, you know, an image of a flag to an image of a waterfall to an image of, uh, you know, trees to, you know, celebrating... uh, you know the moon, the moon and the the sun and and dance or whatever it is, um, the, your your computer basically um, 
program is programmed to then produce it, right? Um, so you use light now. And so technology is also evolving. But uh, we kind of have gone, we kind of still use uh, the traditional medium of paint, right? And murals are not always only on the outside of things. You also have murals um, uh, on, on within, within buildings. And I, I thought I would mention that um, many years ago, there was um, in the former Equatorial building, uh, hotel building on Jalan Sultan Ismail, there was at the back of the reception, there was this copper tooling mural, which most people who don't know anyway, like, what's copper tooling? It is basically a copper sheet uh, that has this design or this, as if it's a painting. Yeah, I mean, you know, it has a story that's told on it, or it has many, many images, but it's done with copper, on a copper sheet rather than on, um, uh, you know, a, a, a concrete wall or a cement substrate or something like that, you know, a lime wall or whatever, or a brick wall, for example. Um, and also, I remember two, really two main um, murals. One was at the Equatorial Hotel, and the other was at the Bangkok Bank, oh, was it Bank of Tokyo? was either the Bangkok Bank or the Bank of Tokyo. It might have been the Bank of Tokyo building in, in Chinatown, in KL. Um, that was, they were, those were copper tooling uh, murals. So murals can be, in a sense, just really large expressions of uh, painted or pictures or, you know, designed, graphically designed images or images uh, which you which you encounter, I think, in which are not just framed, yeah, within a, 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 a small a small space, but they are very much, they're often very much larger. And now you see them not just as as painted on walls, but you see the OCBC Bank, for example, on Jalan Tuntera, directly opposite um, the Masjid Jamik LRT station, there are three murals on their big wall. So rather than leave the wall blank, the bank has commissioned three different sets of stories, so to speak, you know, um, on, on uh, really big rectangular pieces. So it's quite, I think to me, it, it's really interesting to see this kind of creative expression in the public domain. Um, and in a sense, it would, be nice to see more effort, I think, put into. Uh, you talked about visual, you know, visual landscapes, right? You know, using creative painting and things like that in the public space, because not everybody um, has a painting that they put in their house or has, you know, can meet good art. And that's when I come into the good and the not so good, la. because it would be great if it was all good art, because it then educate, it edifies, it makes you feel good. Um, because sometimes the art is maybe not as good as, um, uh, but then I'm being prejudiced, I'm being biased. Um, okay, all right. I think uh, before we end the show, uh, we started by talking a bit about Lai Tong um, and his iconic work with Museum Negara. Like, can you perhaps recommend other people you know, who perhaps would like to check out 
his other I mean, lesser known works that are as equally important and iconic as well, perhaps, you know? I, I think, uh, no, he's a very important painter and, and, and his work you will see in the museum uh, in the Balaisani uh, visual uh, collection, for example. Um, not just, I mean, he was a prolific artist um, and, and uh, you know, trained um, and and lived in, in, in Malaysia and in Kuala Lumpur um, for, for many years. I would actually say, if you're interested in art, anybody interested, in art, go to galleries. There are a lot of public galleries and they're free, you know. You don't, you don't even pay for entry. Um, and if you do pay for entry, like Museum Nagara, it's one ringgit, two ringgit, five ringgit. They're not extraordinarily, uh, you don't have to put out a lot of money for it. You know, they're not private museums, let's say. There is the, the National Gallery. There are a lot of public galleries around town that are bigger galleries, you know, uh, Ilham. And then there are a lot of private galleries as well where you can go and look to see what artists are producing. But it is the national, the more national institutions that have, um, that show and showcase um, artists of uh, Laitong's generation um, so in a sense, the early, the early painters um, from Malaya, you know, who, who came out of and who grew up and who became prolific within the, the early independent country. And there were certain institutions which played a big role, which are not, who don't play that same role anymore. But in the 1950s and 1960s, um, the British Council in Malaysia, uh, in Kuala Lumpur, the British Council in Kuala Lumpur, played a very big role because they had a hall. They always had art exhibitions. And all these so-called, um, these, these artists who are now big names all showed there because there, weren't, there wasn't the, the, the big national galleries around, you know. Um, later, places like the Australian Embassy building, um, uh, had exhibition spaces and they showcase not just Australian artists, they showcase a lot of Malaysian artists, artists which may have had relationships uh, with Australia. But you do have that. And I think it is sort of worth looking at. The other place I would recommend people to go to would be the sculpture garden at uh, near, near the Tukunagara. Um, there's an ASEAN sculpture garden there. And um, there are, I think, nine, if I remember correctly, uh, sculptures from different, maybe more, uh, from different artists who came together in um, over a period of time, who worked together and then created these sculptures. And they are in this setting, um, in this public space. And, you know, just enjoy them and go and look at them. Don't vandalize them. But, you know, just go and enjoy where there is not enough of it, I think. in There isn't, you know, the kind of thing that, that you see in, in France, for example, for every big uh, new development, you put in uh, a certain amount of budget has to be allocated for creative means, art and in the public space. So 
going by what Malaysia has just, uh, or Malaysians have just been very much involved with, um, funding the Battersea uh, Park uh, uh, power station, um, the Battersea power station, the reopening and the refurbishment of the power station uh, into a mall uh, and into a mixed development around it, the whole of the Battersea Park, you know. Um, it would be interesting if one were to visit to see how much effort has been used in terms, you know, put in into creating a, a, a visually stimulating place, landscaping and all of that. I haven't been, so I, I don't know, but it would be interesting to see and to see whether in Malaysia we should be able to do that and translate that in terms of our own, you know, the way in which we treat our own spaces like and our own new developments, not just put in uh, lots of roads, you know, but put in creative things, you know, things that, that stimulate, that are interactive, that stimulate the mind, creative mind, that are culturally apropos, you know, appropriate to, to us. No need to have the snowman, lah, because we, we don't, you know, no need to have them. But, you know, but if we need to, that's fine as well. But that is not, you know, it should be how realistic or how truthful is it to our own cultural expression. You've been tuning in to I Love KL and this week our resident heritage conservation expert Elizabeth Cardosa shared her thoughts on our deep relationship with murals throughout the years. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at pfm.my slash I Love KL, our app which you can find via Google Play and the App Store and you can also listen to our podcast on Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Anif Baharudin and you have been tuning in to I Love KL bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital. City. Stay safe and join us again next week only on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.